Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Alhamdulillah bil alameen wa sallallahu tabaraka ta'ala wa sallama ala Sayyidina Muhammadin, Sayyidina wa sanadina wa habibina wa shafi'ina wa maulana sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa azwajihi wa dhuriyatihi wa ahli baytihi wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawmiddini wa ba'd. So we uh, continue uh, reading the the Risalat ibn Abi Zayd al-Qayrawani, uh, the Kitab al-Jami' the last roughly fifth of the book, Babu Jumal min al-Fara'idhi wa sunani al-Wajibati wal-Raghaibi. And so he mentions now, uh, he's going to talk a little bit about the uh, um, different animals, uh, the different animals and what the deal is with uh, eating them. And how they're arranged according to the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in terms of like what's 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 good what's good what's for dinner you know, uh, and maybe a person by now is wondering why we talk about food so much. Is really halal not just a desi thing? Was every one of the uh, ulama like like obsessed uh, to an irrational degree with uh, eating halal and? Uh, I would say they were all obsessed with eating halal. I don't think it's irrational. And uh, today, when I was on my on my walk, I guess this plot came to me, which was that all the bodybuilders I've ever met in my life, um, and I, I I apologize for like these like masculine uh, uh, masculine uh, uh, examples. Um, although, mashallah, the sisters, you know, they work out, and if they don't, they should. They should stay in shape and things like that. It's not munafi. It's not against uh, haya to work out and stay in shape as well. And the brothers uh, also, uh, they should stay in shape too. Uh, if you don't, uh, if working, you know, like lifting weights isn't your thing, go walk, run, you know, do home exercises. You can even look up on YouTube, mashallah. The YouTube is uh, an amazing resource for misguidance but there's a lot of interesting stuff that, that that's useful in it as well there are now uh, athletic trainers that have put up uh, like really good ones that, that really know what they're talking about um, that uh, like people who, who are doctors and physical therapists and sports medicine people that I know that have said that like yeah there's some good resources out there um, they have like these home workouts that a person can do at home uh, in order to strengthen their core, strengthen their arms, legs, et cetera, et cetera. And in general, you know, some people need to lose weight, that there are certain uh, strength training uh, regimens that are there that will help you lose weight. There are certain ones that will help you put on muscle mass. There are certain ones that will help you, uh, you know, make your body better in, 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 in certain ways. And that's all great. That's all wonderful. But all of the bodybuilders I've ever uh, met, um, they all said one thing to me, like you have dudes that have like, mashallah, their like biceps are like as big as my head, like ajib, like amazing, like Muslim people, you know, uh, I remember, uh, uh, meeting them in different countries and things like that. Uh, and then there are people over here as well. Uh, some of the most successful uh, physical trainers and, uh, personal trainers, they're, they're Muslims. At any rate, one of the things that, that all of them said that when I asked them, like, how did you, how did you become like that? They all said it all. It's all. It's all in the diet. It's all in what you eat. It's eighty percent diet, and then afterward, it's twenty percent exercises that you do. And I was just thinking about that, like walking around today. That's why. <laughs> that's why the the mashayikh are are talking about all of these things as well. It's all in your diet. If you're eating, you know, if you're eating, and it, you know, diet spiritually speaking is not just food. All the food is part of it, but diet is everything that you imbibe into into your heart, right? right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said they were caused to drink uh, the ijl, uh, the, 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 the golden calf uh, because of their kufr, what they're looking at the, the golden calf and it's, it's disgusting images entering into their heart and polluting it. What does imbibe mean, right? Bebir in, in, in Spanish means what? Means to drink something, right? To imbibe something is to drink something inside of you. And so the the nourishment of the heart comes from all of the all of the limbs, which is what the eyes, the ears, all of the senses, the tongue in what it speaks, it sends a copy back into the heart. 
the stomach, whatever you eat into it, it has an effect on the heart. The private parts, whatever you subject them to, has a very profound effect on the heart. It's 80% diet. If you can make the heart, the diet of the heart clean, then after that, even a very small amount, even a very small amount of exercise, of working out, uh, of mujahada, of of uh, riyada, of literally, the, and it's funny that the mashaykh of, uh, of, of, of deen, uh, and in particular in tasawwuf, who are the ones who uh, uh, make this thing happen. They're like the, the trainers that help you to make this thing happen, you know, help you, guide you along the way so that you can do these exercises and make these things happen for yourself. Um, they literally, sit, they, they talk about like tadrib and riyada. It's like exercise, it's like working out, you know. All of these spiritual workouts, you have people who have like, mashallah, they're reading one sabara, two sabara, one juz, two juz, three juz, making khatam of Quran, uh, uh, you know, slipping the tasbihs through their fingers until they break, mashallah, they're fasting, they're, they're, they're like really tiring themselves out. And uh, uh, what's the problem? The problem is this, is that like, you know, you can't, uh, one of the athletic trainers, he was saying, you cannot exercise your way out of a bad diet. You know, you can be sprinting like an Olympic sprinter, <clears throat> You can't do any exercise that's going to uh, that's going to like uh, free you from the bad effects, the evil effects of a bad diet. There's no, it just doesn't work like that. Not in the physical world, nor in the in the spiritual world as well. So this is one of the reasons. I mean, it's important. Uh, this is one of the reasons in the Kitab Jami'ah, which is you know, uh, the Kitab Jami'ah is like the the you know, it's like the defense of the Sunnah of the Prophet It's the most spiritual out of all of the. All the sections of a, a fiqh book, you know, of a Maliki fiqh book is Al Kitab al Jami'ah. Why is it he's talking about the importance of protecting your eyes, the importance of protecting your ears, the importance of, 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 of being very scrupulous about what you eat, very scrupulous about what you drink, intoxicants? Um, you know, what are the, the, the things that we covered so far, like all the different types of ill gotten wealth, um, all of these things, they're like really, really important. And it comes back to something like Imam. Muhammad bin Hassan al-Shaybani, one of my favorite Hanafis, mashallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increases rank, a real wonderful and amazing guy, um, and is as if there wasn't enough to, like, you know, for which to uh, love him, he's also a student of Imam Malik as well, so he's like, mashallah, uh, honorary Maliki, there are a couple, of, there are a number of Masail, I hope Mufti Naif isn't watching this uh, from Albany, but uh, if he is, inshallah, he'll have to admit it's true one way or the other, but there are a bunch of masail if you read the Sharh Ma'an al-Athar of Imam Tahawi, in which uh, 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 Imam Muhammad, after having kept company with Imam Malik, rahimahullah ta'ala, will actually re re revise his opinion and abandon the position of Abu Hanifa and come to the position of Malik. Allah ta'ala have mercy on all of them, mashallah. All of them are, are akabir, and we hope that uh, their love will uh, straighten out our, our, our ulum in this world and, and uh, uh, be like a life jacket for us in the hereafter. So uh, uh, Imam Muhammad, someone once asked him, like, you're like a big, like, you're like this, like, real spiritual uh, person and big alim of deen um, and uh, whatnot. And it was intuitive in those days, too, like, what the connection between the Sufis and the ulama was. But they, they, they had a symbiotic relationship with one another. And it's very rare that somebody achieves a rank in one without having uh, some sort of accomplishment in the other. And so um, someone asked Imam Muhammad, rahimahullah, ta'ala, why don't you write a book about zuhud? And zuhud is a word for tasawwuf, about spirituality, about asceticism. Zuhud means asceticism, doing without this world. But it's like understood to be like the way of, uh, of the people traveling toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said, don't you see, I already have. And they're like, what? He said, I wrote the Kitab al-Buyu. I wrote this book detailing like how a person is supposed to transact. Why? Because your suluk toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like your workout, it's like getting in shape. It's 80% diet, 20% exercise. The people who focus on the exercise without getting the diet correct, those people are problematic. Those people are, I mean, they're good human beings, inshallah, they'll go to Jannah eventually. Don't listen to them, don't lend them an ear. They're like thieves, they're like thieves. They will steal your akhirah away from you. They'll steal your ruhaniyah, your connection with Allah Ta'ala away from you in this world, and they'll steal your akhirah from you as well. You may still go to Jannah, but you won't reach the rank that you uh, you could have reached. Don't listen to those people. Those people, don't be a Zabiha Nazi and like there's only thing in the world is halal and blah, blah. If everybody was concerned with only eating and drinking halal, dhulm wouldn't exist in this world. 
all of the lessons you need to know to understand what the Mashiach are talking about when they talk about spirituality. You need to learn them on the heels of earning a, a, an honest living, on the heels of eating and drinking that which is good and pure, on the heels of not polluting your eyes with the haram and your ears with the haram to the point where uh, you, 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 know, you mess yourself up and, uh, you know, uh, if somebody is going to taste, you know, if you like cook dinner and you're like, hey, how does this, how does this cake taste? And, you know, you're going to value their opinion. Don't ask the guy who's high on LSD. Ask the person who's like sane and sober. That person will be able to tell you everybody's all hopped up and tripped up on this haram to the point where good seems like a sin and bad seems uh, 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 like virtue. And there's like, mashallah, an ever expanding and never ending horizon of different genders uh, in the world. Uh, nothing is correct in a person's uh, uh, in a person's mind if you tell them it's daytime and they say where's your dalil where's your proof um, and so this is all this is all really important this is all really important if you want to be a person of deen you got to get this right first then tell people what your opinion is about saying I mean out loud or saying I mean quietly or what your opinion is about this conference or that conference or this politician or that politician or this uh, uh, trend or that trend then worry about all of the stuff afterward if you don't got this stuff right all of the rest of it the the crookedness the rot will pervade through all of uh all of the rest of your dean it will pervade through all of the rest of your life um this is something that uh, that our mashaikh and our elders and our ancestors somehow understood and uh, we uh we we seem to have like ice skated by uh, uh and swanned by this piece of understanding and now we gotta relearn it again uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, give us all tawfiq and uh, tuba, glad tidings to the one who learns it before they leave this world. So he says, uh, uh, it, is, it is not haram to eat predatory birds. All of those birds that have talons uh, uh, with them. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, you know what are the predatory birds like hawks and uh, uh, eagles and whatnot? Um, I don't. I, I wouldn't imagine. Wallahu jallala, mulazma najasat. And so there, there's a couple of issues here. Is that uh, he mentions that Jalala is that the animal that eats uh, najis. So I uh, I know there's some uh, karaha in it. I mean, this it's makruh anyway in the Maliki school to eat these uh, predatory birds. But uh, uh, the there's some some karaha and possibly hurma, possibly impermissibility in some of the other madahib. I believe the Shafi'i school. And I don't want to give the fatwa. Inshallah, you can ask Sheikh Musa or one of the uh, Shafi'i mashayikh. Inshallah. Um, that uh, that like for example, if uh, some animal eats najis, then uh, it should be in quarantine for forty days before being slaughtered. I don't know if it's haram to eat in their school or if it's uh, if it's recommended for it to be quarantined. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, he he says that it's not haram basically. Uh, that uh, it's not haram to uh, eat. Uh, eat these uh, eat these animals, All right? So he says like what they don't wallow. Jalala, even if it eats najis, or bin kalhadaati, like a kite, or bazi, like the falcon, it's like the talon that uh, that it disembowels and kills uh, its uh, prey with. So I wouldn't think that these would be like really super. Uh, these would be super um, tasty animals or meaty animals, but they are uh, uh, they are they are not haram to eat according to the according to the madhab of Malik. <coughs> and so, uh, um, and so, uh, uh, um, so they're 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 not haram. Like one bird I can think of that 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 has like a. Uh, a, a mikhlab that's really nasty that probably would be a tasty bird to eat would be like a cassowary it's like a cousin of the uh, of the ostrich but i don't think there's a bunch of those around and uh, i don't i don't i don't see that they're dis domesticated i don't i wouldn't see why 
someone would want to domesticate an animal that could disembowel you like a velociraptor. But uh, at any rate, the the hukum of these uh, of these birds, predatory birds that have talons, is that they're they're not haram according to the madhab of Malik. so he says that uh, from the, uh, then he continues to change the topic. He says from the fara'id, from those things that are obligatory in the deen, is being pious to your two parents. This is a birul walidain. This is from the first commandments of deen. This is from the most important commandments of deen. After Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the ones that, uh, that uh, you owe your respect and your honor to most uh, like the song, uh, uh, um, the, your respect and your honor to most after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam is your parents. And, uh, you know, there is a difference of opinion amongst the ulama as to whether your father commands more respect or your mother. The, um, the, uh, <coughs> the muqtada of the hadith, the zahir of the hadith would indicate that it's the mother. Uh, um, but the ulama do have some uh, some discussion back and forth. Obviously, a person should show softness more to his mother, and she may need his uh, or her tenderness more than the father does. But in terms of honor and esteem, uh, there's a difference of opinion uh, with regards to which of them receives taqdim, uh, uh, which of them receives priority, especially if there's a uh, an order that. Uh, uh, that is mutually irreconcilable, that one tells you to do one thing and the other one tells you to do another. Um, so a couple of addenda before moving on with this topic. One is this, is that there is one exception. There is one person <clears throat> other than Allah, other than the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from the creation and obviously above the creation is Allah that receives more respect uh, from a person than their own parents is the husband of a wife, the husband of a wife. And uh, this is something that uh, I think will probably offend uh, modern sensibilities, but uh, it's something we've discussed in other places as well, that the you know, social relations uh, in Islam, many of them are hierarchical. And so the, uh, there's a hierarchy between parents and children, that the parents deserve obedience, they command obedience over the children. Uh, and just like that, a, a, a husband commands obedience uh, 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 from his wife. Again, this is like, oh my God, they're probably, you know, like if it's a good thing that nobody listens to my dars, because if they did, there'd probably be people starting to sharpen their knives right now. We're going to get them. We're going to set them on fire, etc. He is enabling abuse. And, uh, you know, uh, part of that is just the sensibility of the age that we live in, which may not be uh, 100% lining up with like, uh, an objective view of the world. Why? Because if you say that a, a wife should respect her husband, and you're going to say that this enables abuse, then why is it that, you know, how, how can you say that saying that a child should respect their parents is not a, enabling abuse? Why is it that saying that, like, for example, citizens shouldn't respect the government is enabling abuse? Why isn't it saying that people should respect the police is enabling abuse? And people will say, well, you know, sometimes it does. And we say that when it comes to abuse, when it comes to that level, then that's where the limit of respect is. Respect here doesn't mean that you worship your parents. It doesn't worship mean that a woman worships her husband. It doesn't mean that, sure as hell doesn't mean that somebody worships the government or worships the police. But there's a type of a modicum of respect that all other things being equal, if one of the parties requests something, they have a right to be uh, heard um, uh, and they have a right to be obeyed. Uh, and that right, <clears throat> even when it functions within a certain logical and rational set of parameters, yes, there is room for abuse in it. Uh, but the theory is what is that the, the purpose of hierarchical relationships in the dean is because that's how you're going to get the maximum benefit uh, out of them. Because in general, parents, there is a worldly benefit in listening to them and there is an otherworldly benefit in listening to them. And, uh, um, you know, the, the, you know, the husband and wife, there has to be an Amir in the house 
there has to be some hierarchy because if you say that both of them are equal to each other, then necessarily a day will come when they disagree on something. And on that day, uh, one of them is going to have to yield to the other. So hierarchy will enter into the, uh, into the, into the equation somehow or another. And then it's just an issue of like, why is it should be the man or why should it be the, the woman? And it's part of the hierarchical uh, uh, position of the man that he can also decide I'm going to yield to my wife today, or I'm gonna to yield to my wife on this issue or on that issue. But the point is, is this, is that if you don't have a, a set way of resolving disputes, if both parties are equal, the day that they're going to disagree with one another, what's gonna happen, they're gonna go their separate ways, which is why uh, which is why so many uh, marriages, they end in divorce nowadays because of this kind of like radical egalitarian sensibility when it comes to the family that modernism uh, kind of imposes on previously existing successful family cultures. And so, you know, the issue is this is that, you know, someone might say, well, divorce is not a sin. Yes, I guess divorce technically isn't a sin. However, it's not a good thing. And it's not only not a good thing just because of Victorian sensibilities. It's not only a good thing because like, you know, uh, Muslims in the Indian subcontinent uh, converted from Hinduism and there's no divorce in Hinduism and Muslims in America, you know, convert from Christianity and there's no divorce classically in Christianity. And like in Hinduism, uh, you know, like, uh, a woman is expected to throw herself on the funeral pyre of her husband when he dies. Uh, so they have this kind of radical monogamy, uh, 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 at least for the, the, the ladies uh, that they that they enforce. And Islam doesn't do that. I mean, if two of husband and wife don't get along, they get divorced, they go, each goes their separate ways. Allah Ta'ala says, you, you know, Allah Ta'ala Ta will give uh, each one of them, Ignam and Sa'atihi, Allah Ta'ala will enrich them and free them from need from the other. Uh, uh, from his generosity, if they decide to to, to go their separate ways, um, the problem with divorce is what the problem with divorce is when ch children are there. And first of all, if people are like really lackadaisical about their their uh, sexual relations, after a while, they kind of cheapen that that, that experience for themselves and whatever. But bigger than that, like I think what's more uh, problematic than that is this, is that the raising of children gets killed in the middle. And look at the statistics. This is my good friend who is an instructor in the Zaytuna College, uh, 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 Sheikh, doctor, PhD doctor, Omar Sharif. So don't call him if you, if you, if you uh, not Omar Sharif, Omar Qureshi. Uh, don't call him if you, uh, you know, if you need an antibiotic. He has a PhD in the philosophy of education. But uh, he mentions this. He says, study after study shows the same thing, that the children who come from the houses of divorce they have so much uh, a greater incidence of not being able to cope with stress, so much greater incidence of clinical depression, so much greater uh, uh, propensity toward drug addiction, alcohol addiction, risky behaviors, so much more propensity than uh, ultimately to not be able to complete education to a degree that allows them to have gainful employment. And for that matter, if that's the case, then it will be obviously the same for, uh, for religious education and so much more uh, propensity, uh, uh, very sadly and very tragically, uh, uh, toward atheism. Uh, they, they're, they're statistically proven that, that the children who come from the homes of divorce, they will they have like a, a, a lot more uh, uh, trouble believing in what? Believing in God. And why is that? All of these things, they tie together, you know? All of these things tie together. Why is it that we have a culture as Muslims of revering your parents? Your parents are the first uh, symbols of authority in your life that you see as a child. Um, the first symbol of authority is what is your parents. When you learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, subconsciously, this is my own Hamzian theory, Hamzian psychoanalysis, so you can take it with a grain of salt. It's like we've now taken like somewhat of a field trip out of Maliki Fiqh, so you can take it or leave it. You can leave your comments about what, you know, how, how baseless you think it is, but you know, your parents are your first, uh, uh, your first um, model of what authority means. And so when you try to understand who Allah is uh, uh, later on, um, unconsciously you will, I'll, I'll look, I'll, consciously you shouldn't do this as kufr, but unconsciously it's, in, it's in, inescapable that what? That you're going to make piyas inside of your heart and inside of your psyche uh, which is just a Greek word for your nafs, right? Inside of your soul, you'll make qiyas between your, you know, between your parents. That you, Allah is like the parent for like, but the entire universe. 
um, the parent for like matter and for energy and for time and for space and for like every human being who ever existed and for the trees and for the rocks and for the sand and for the sky and for the oceans and for the birds and for the whales and for the fishes in the deep blue sea, et cetera, et cetera. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like, is like the, and indeed this is, this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, described even in the Athar and in the, in, the, in, in the books of Revelation that everyone is Ayal, Allah ta'ala is Rabbul Alameen, right? The, the father of the house is the Rabbul Manzil. Allah ta'ala is not Rabbul Manzil, he's not the Rabb of the house, he's the Rabb of the entire like creation. You know, Allah ta'ala, Al Khalqu Ayalullah, the entire creation is the dependence of Allah, not like, you know, like my children are dependent so I can put them on the tax return so I get a little bit uh, better uh, tax check back. Um, Allah has no one to, you know, no one can tax him, so he doesn't need to, you know, he doesn't need to do that. But like, in that sense, the entire creation, they're all dependent on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even shaitan needs madad from Allah ta'ala to exist. Otherwise, if Allah ta'ala were not to give him uh, that sweet uh, kun, uh, uh, from kun fayakun, he cannot, he cannot, he cannot exist. He cannot, uh, he has no ability to exist on his own. And so, <clears throat> the person who doesn't, the person who doesn't uh, revere their parents and does not accept the authority of their parents over them, even when it's difficult, even when it doesn't make sense to that person, that person will necessarily have a problematic relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's really interesting. So he, you know, we'll, we'll continue with this uh, discussion, right? In the, if you, you know, between the words of the text, he says that, he says that min al-fara'idi from the obligations of deen is being pious and dutiful to your parents. Even if your two parents are what? They're profligates. They sin openly. If your parents are drunkards, if your father shaves his beard and your mother goes around with her head uncovered and like, you know, they eat haram, they drink haram and they skip their prayers and they do all of these things uh, shamelessly. Even forget about that. Even if they're not Muslims, even if they're idol worshippers, you still, it's still from the faraid of deen that you have to... <clears throat> That you have to uh, that you have to be dutiful toward them. And so let every word that a person says to their parents be soft. This is really hard, uh, uh, but it's you have to do it. Can't yell at your parents. Can't get upset with them if they're wrong. You know you can only remind them softly. If after that they're not going to listen, the only way to get them to listen is to escalate and raise your voice. Don't do it. It's not your. It's not your responsibility. And this is another issue that goes hand in hand with these hierarchical relationships. The point of Allah Taala telling you to revere your parents is that generally it's for your own good, for a number of reasons. Part of which we kind of put that stream on pause. But the, you know, in my opinion, one of the greatest reasons of which is what is that if you cannot understand the authority of your parents and come to peace with it, then how are you going to love Allah Taala in those instances when Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala does stuff that doesn't make sense to you? Uh, however, uh, uh, th your parents aren't Allah. I mean, they're not. It's a metaphor that, that maybe the, the psyche constructs, but th they're not Allah Taala. Uh, uh, but you're still you're still required to be uh, kind to them, and you're not Allah. Taala didn't say that it's your job to get them to pray. He didn't say it's your job to guide them. It's not. He didn't say it's your job to set them straight. That's not your job. So you can escalate to the point where it comes to politely telling them something, softly telling them something. Yeah, and live with them, you know, keep your social relations with them uh, in a good way, in a way that, that people would recognize as good. Um, you're not res responsible for any of those things. So people are like, Sheikh, my mother, she denies, you know, blah, 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 and she follows like whatever crooked Sheikh, and she, you know, uh, you know, uh, insists on eating something haram, and she insists on skipping the sloth, and blah, 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 and she just won't, and what you know, what proofs and blah, 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 and the other thing, the other thing. I think you're, you already tried to explain it to her kindly. Arguing with her is not going to get anywhere. She doesn't want to, she didn't, she doesn't want to look at the thing that came from her womb and be like, oh, look, I'm going to receive guidance from this thing. She doesn't give a damn. Your father, do, your father doesn't give a damn what your opinion about Dean is. You understand what I'm saying? This is the, this is the case with the great Oliya, mashallah, Abu Hanifa's mother used to ask him to go and like ask the village, uh, not the village, the neighborhood Molisab about uh, her fit questions. And that's Imam Abu Hanifa. So what do you think your mom and my mom are going to do? 
if your mother, if your father are like such pious people, mashallah, that, that, that they've like humbled their nafs to that degree, good for you, Eid Mubarak, mashallah. You make, ask them to make dua for me as well. They're very abnormal people. For the rest of us, mashallah, they're not, they don't care. They're not going to ask you your opinion about those things. And that's normal. You don't need to freak out about it. It's not your job to, you know, it's not, it's your job to what? Speak a soft word with them. It's your job to what? Uh, uh, to deal with them and treat them nicely and treat them kindly. It's not your job to, uh, that you know, to make sure that they receive the path of guidance and that they uh, pay all their sunnahs on time and that, or that they even like you know follow the deen beyond whatever you can get them to follow by being kind to them and by being, being sweet to them by being good to them by speaking nicely to them. The rest of it, Allah Ta'ala is not going to ask you about it. But if you're a jerk in the process, if you yell at them, if you tell them off, if you uh, break their heart, if you make your mother cry, uh, necessarily, necessarily, you will uh, you will pay for this. And uh, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, you'll make your mother cry. Why? Because she really didn't want you to pray your five daily prayers and you prayed them anyway when she cried. Uh, this is a problem. It's a problem that's mahdud. It's limited to this dunya. It will pass. Uh, in the akhirah, you won't be responsible for it. Uh, however, in this dunya, still breaking your mother's heart will be will, will cause you some difficulty in this dunya, and that difficulty will be recompensed with more good on the other side. But this knowledge, you should know this knowledge. What as an incentive for you to circumnavigate, to do things, to go around problems with your parents. Don't go head on into them. If you know your mother is going to cry if you pray. Like hide and pray. Don't don't tell her you're gonna be that you're praying. You know, if you know her going to dars or like whatever is gonna cause her like grief and taklif and all of this other stuff, you know, hide it from her. Hide it from your father. Don't don't tell them. And uh, you know why? Because your parents aren't God. They're not, or and they're not a nabi that you have to tell everything to. There's nobody that you should have this such an open relationship with that you tell them everything and give them complete honesty all the time from the creation. Nobody. Nobody. There are certain secrets you should keep to yourself. That level of honesty is a type of stupidity, and that level of honesty is what is uh, uh, really it's a very selfish act on certain people's uh, part. You know, nobody, not your spouse, nothing. If your wife asks you, like, how do I look today? And you're like, well, honey, you look really old and you look tired and you're overweight. And like, you know, it seems like it seems like that last child really killed me. Stop for a lie. You're going to actually say that to your wife? Are you actually, even if it's true, you're going to say that to your wife? You're going to say something like that to your mother? You know, your father, you know, you, no. You're not obliged. You're not, a, you're not a prophet that you have to go around and tell everybody, like, you know, everything all the time. You can first, first of all, it's a very difficult uh, uh, lesson to learn in the age of everybody posting everything. And I probably still need to learn it myself. But it's okay to shut up sometimes. It's okay just to, like, not say anything. And then when somebody asks you something, it's okay to like give a very vague and general fluffy response, okay? If someone went to madrasa, they'll know that you're doing that to them. Why? Because we're very trained at like textual analysis. If you're talking to a lawyer, they'll know that you're doing that. Most people in general, specifically like your mother or whatever type of people, if you give them a fluffy response, all they want is they just want to make small talk and they want to feel like you're engaging with them. They want to feel like you're paying them attention and that's it. They don't really actually care what the answer is, right? Where is your focus on the answer? You're going to tell her something. You're going to, you're going to say something that makes your mother upset. You're going to say something that's going to make your mother cry and screw up your dunya and screw up your akhirah if it's something that, that's not like a, 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 her commanding you to a haram. This is exactly what Ibn Abi Zaid says. He says that the parameters, the natural parameters for this hierarchical relationship is what? Is that you have to speak kindly to them and softly to them, and you have to be good to them. And if they tell you, they, they make you do something that's haram, then you're not allowed to obey. And so much so that the ulama say that your parents then get the ikhtiyar, they get the uh, option of difference of opinion, even if they're not even Muslims and they could give less of a care about madhab and this and that. You know, uh, but uh, they get the, the benefit of difference of opinion. If your mother tells you to do something, if your father tells you to do something, if you need to do something in order to make them happy, this is a valid reason to take a, a rukhsa from the muftabihi opinion of another madhab. And I say muftabihi meaning what? That if you can go to a, if you can go to another madhab, and it's not like some screwball obscure opinion, uh, 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 but uh, you know, uh, like you know, your your mother told you to like 
you know, go outside like buck naked and like some Mufti from Birmingham who claims to be like a Baliki but really isn't says, yeah, you know, this is this is this is a, an okay opinion. Ha 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 ha. Right? No, but we're talking about like an actual Mufti of a different madhab. You're following the Maliki school and this is like a Hanafi opinion, or you're following the the Shafi'i school and this is a you know whatever like something like that. The Muftabi opinion, the actual like actual opinion of a, of another school. It's worth taking a ruksa. Uh, in order to make your in order to make your parents happy, but if there's something that is haram by the consensus of the ulama of haq of the ulama of the, of the sunnah and jama'ah, uh, at that point, um, then in the kindest way possible, in the kindest way possible, you, you cannot obey them, which means that you got to do what you got to do, but you still can't cuss at them, you still can't yell at them, you still can't raise your voice at them, you still can't tell them what you think about them, you still can't uh, be a jerk to them, you can't slam doors, you can't. You know, you can't uh, imagine uh, the Quran literally says you can't say Oof to him to them, right? Oof is not even a word, right? It's just what it's just like exasperation and like blowing someone off. So then, uh, you know, uh, unless you don't believe in qiyas, unless you don't believe in uh, uh, in in, in uh, rational analogy, uh, saying not saying Oof to them uh, being saying Oof to them being haram is probably proof that cussing at them is haram as well, calling them names haram is, uh, is haram as well, and definitely beating them or like whatever is haram as well. Uh, and so this is where, uh, you know, the, 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 the fiqh should meet a little bit of art, a little bit of common sense, a little bit of style. How is it that you're supposed to live? And that is if you know that doing something that is um, necessary for you in the deen and that the omission of which is haram or not doing something that is haram the the non-commission of which is part of deen um, if you know that that's going to be an issue then find a way to circumnavigate the problem you know don't share all your information don't put put out all your cards there if you know someone you know your parents are going to give you a hard time some of them are like some people literally that this is a psychological condition that they have they need attention and they would rather fight with you than uh, um, than, than 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 them not being the center of attention, uh, and uh, them not being uh, you know the center of attention while being civil and calm. And, and you know, do you think people you know do you think narcissists don't have children? Do you think people with like other like megalomaniacs don't have children? Do you think like people with these conditions? All of them have kids. You know, if you happen to be one of their kids. You're gonna to have to smarten up. You're gonna to have to wise up how how you can circumnavigate these things. In this sense, this is something I'll mention again as well because I think it's relevant to the topic. But I think sometimes like kids that are bad kids are actually more pious than quote unquote good kids are. So you have two brothers, Zayd and Amr, right? Uh, Zayd is very pious and he like goes to uh, all the drus and he uh, halakat and his beard is good and like you know he's memorizing Quran and you know he's like saying no to drugs and. You know he's not messing with the with the girls or the boys or whatever people mess with nowadays and he's you know flying straight and uh um you know and his mother's annoyed with him she's like you should spend more time at school and you should join the basketball team you know instead of wasting your time with all this religion stuff you know okay we're muslims but like this is too much this five times prayer all this extremism uh, okay and then there's amr who's her, who's his brother who's what the guy's a stoner the guy goes and like gets high every day gets you know uh he likes to he likes to likes to likes to inhale the 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 punjabi botanical product and obviously the mother wants the kids to like become doctors and make a bunch of money so she's not happy that the stoner will uh go and get stoned either so when it's like hey zayd where are you going today i'm going to dars i'm going to go to malki fik dars I told you stop wasting your time with that. And the person has like in their own mind's image, their own heart's image. They're like, you know, like like, like dying the Alamo uh, Shaheed for the sake of Allah. All they're doing, they're bothering their mother and they're sapping and destroying the barakat in their dars. They're destroying the barakat in their life. They're destroying the barakat in their risk. Your parents being upset with you, people love money. So your parents being, remember this, your parents being upset with you will taint your risk. It will be a cause for poverty. Uh, it will be a cause for that risk that was like part of your original allotment being uh, uh, diverted to other directions in order to make up for uh, for for your parents being upset with you. And like Amr, the stoner, where are you going? He's not going to tell his mother I'm going to go get high because that would break her heart. That would make her cry. That's a type of piety as well. 
not to say that it's okay to lie, right? But there's a way, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Where are you going right now? I'm going to the park. He'll pass through the park on the way to get stoned. Maybe he'll get stoned in the park as well. Getting stoned is haram. It's a sin. However, the point here is that he didn't put on top of the sin of getting stoned the, 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 the sin of breaking his mother's heart. Whereas Zaid, he's going to do something good and he's sabotaged the good that he's doing by what? breaking his mother's heart so don't argue with your parents have a have like a non uh, a non uh, aggression pact one way non-aggression unilateral non-aggression pact with your parents submit just say i give up you know and do those things that allow you to circumnavigate around uh, busting it up with them and just make them happy you know do those things that make them happy by you know don't be a jerk by your don't say something or do something in front of your mother that's going to upset her in front of your father that's going to upset him you know do and say those things be fake around them just to make them happy you know you don't lie lying is still haram but there's ways of like you know just making mudara'a you know and mudahana that you just you're just like being that person they want you to be for the 15 minutes that you interact with them in the day and then moving on you know, if that means if that means that you get it, oh, I got a job in another city, I have to move away or whatever. And they're not going to like, you know, like it's not like they're going to like rot and they can take care of themselves and whatever. And, you know, they don't need you like like in that sense to go, go move, move to another city to avoid getting into problems with them. You know, if it, you're going to stay home, they need your help or whatever. And the only way you can help them is with, you know, you going to the house, cussing at them like a million, uh, you know, uh, with, sorry, not you cussing at them, them cussing at you like a million, like bad things and horrible things and hurtful things. Right. Don't listen, especially your mother. Don't listen to don't listen to what she's saying. Don't listen to what she's saying. Right. Oftentimes, people who are skilled at like getting attention, those are issues that happened with them that caused them to be that way from before you were born. You're not going to be able to fix them, right? Don't listen to your father when your father's like laying into you, right? right? Don't listen to what they're saying. If you listen to what they're saying, it's going to be a poison. It's going to draw you in. Don't, and this is not just like with parents, okay, spouses, with siblings, all sorts of different people. Don't listen to what they're saying when they go in these emotional tirades uh, and try to be like as hurtful as possible. And some people do that. That's like, they feel like they're going to get shifa by like hurting you. You know, they feel like they're going to get some sort of shifa from whatever bad feeling they have in their heart uh, by, 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 by letting the poison of their nafs out at you. And some of us are like that too. We do this to other people as well. But the fact is, like, after having done it for, like, 100 times, you realize, like, this is not, doesn't make me feel better. It actually makes me feel worse. It's like a thirsty person drinking salt water, right? But not everybody is going to learn that lesson, right? So if they're coming at you like that, don't listen to what they're saying. The words are all bogeys. They're a distraction. Dispense with the words. Look at what's inside the heart, you know? If, uh, uh, you know, if this is a manifestation of someone's dysfunctional relationship with their father, if it's a manifestation of someone's neglect that they receive from their own parents or from their other siblings or from, you know, some other thing, if it's a manifestation of illness or it's a manifestation of what, just look at that and just feel sorry for that person that this is a human being that's hurting right now. I feel bad for them. You know, just leave it at that. And do your service that you need to from them and, and, and move on, you know, move on. Uh, uh, get out. This is uh, the way you're going to navigate it. I'm pro I promise you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends certain people to make your islah, to make your rectification, to fix what's broken inside of your heart in order to make it worthy of being uh, uh, of being accepted by Allah ta'ala. And the hardest islah is the islah that happens for takabur, the islah that happens for arrogance. If you think you're someone, if you think you're smart, you think you're rich, you're successful, you're important, whatever, the hardest islah to take is the one that 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 breaks the takabur inside of a person, that breaks the uh, the arrogance inside of a person. And generally speaking, that type of islah cannot ha happen at the hands of a rational person. It cannot happen at the hands of a rational person. So you'll have to deal with these irrational types of things um, in order to learn this lesson of being humble. Because you know, like when you're whatever, when your parent cusses you out, um, and you know, you know, in the sharia that 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 the haq is on their side until you al before that you're not going to get any help from any quarter um, and you just have to shut up and take it um, and you you know all you can do is try to mitigate the amount of damage it does to you 
Um, but, uh, you know, there's going to, even people who have relatively good parents and, you know, someone might say, well, my parents aren't like so horrific. Muhammad, my parents aren't so horrific either, mashallah. But uh, dealing with the public, you know, some people, unfortunately, they cannot say that they're not uh, with a straight face or without lying. Um, but uh, uh, the point is, is this is that like, the amount of humility you have to be able to have in order to take this and just like keep going. Um, it is it is something Allah is making your islah. He's rectifying your heart so that you don't have to suffer humiliation on the day of judgment. And it's way better to take it and it's way easier to take it on this side than it is to take it on that side. Um, and so, you know, this is this is important. This is where the rubber meets the road. Um, some of the, one, you know, the thing that we were talking about from before with regards to uh, authority is what? Is that if a person can't make peace with the authority of their parents, uh, their 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 mother and their father, uh, you know, that gave them life, that person oftentimes won't be able to make peace with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala because Allah will do things that you may not like. And uh, you know, the Lord is the Lord and the slave is the slave. The lowest daraja of iman is that you should at least be patient with those things that Allah did that 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 don't make you super happy. Then there are other, you know, like there are some people who like, you know, they they become. Uh, the you know they become drunk and ecstatic on the divine remembrance uh, and there's a way of getting there as well and it's not like it's not the reason that we be, you know be the reason that we take up the spiritual path but sometimes it does help a person get through some difficulties um, where a person will then rejoice uh, at things that a normal person wouldn't rejoice at because of their their ishq and their love of Allah Taala. But the lowest uh, form of iman, if you can't do that, there's nothing left less than that is to at least be patient with those decisions Allah makes that that, that don't immediately make you happy. Um, uh, and a person has to do that. And this this is reminds me of one story I wanted to share with you, that I went and visited Allama Khalid Mahmoud. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala give him long life. Um, he is he's he must be very close to a hundred, uh, and uh, he lives half his uh, year in Lahore and half his year in Birmingham in in, uh, uh, in the UK. And he has a very he has a very uh, uh, interesting darvesh khana. Uh, his his uh, khanqa is next to the Jamia Masjid in Birmingham, and uh, it literally is like a like a very very humble place where the where the where the fuqara meet. Uh, it's a very humble place. Humble, not just like as in like, you know, I'm wearing like really nice clothes and like saying CDCD to everybody. That's there too, I guess. But in the sense that it's a like it's a, a very rudimentary half built building probably would be condemned if it got uh, inspected too closely. Um, and, uh, you know, mashayikh and fuqara gather in that place to make dhikr and to hear uh, uh, the sheikh's uh, uh, talks. And uh, where the sheikh does his work, and where the students of knowledge that help him, because he writes every day, they help him edit and prepare his his uh, uh, his works. And it's really interesting that that his majlis is like has a good mix of people who are very intellectual and very ilmi um, in the Islamic sense, and very intellectual in the like university sense, and then it's very spiritual, and then just like regular Joe people who are like this is their village Mulana or their you know, local Mulanasab that like, you know, they just go to hear his Darsh Tafsir or, or, or whatever. And uh, there's something there for everybody. It's an interesting experience. At any rate, um, uh, Allama Khalid is, is one of uh, uh, our beloved uh, Mulana Sheikh Amin Qulwariya, uh, Sahib Dar al-Qasim, uh, one of his teachers. And uh, you can see, you know, you can see some of the phase uh, of the student in the Sheikh uh, uh, and vice versa when you visit him. Allama Khalid told us a story. He said that when he was like, and this must be like the 40s or something, like pre-partition, when Mawana Khair Muhammad Jalandari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he had a Dora tafsir in the summer uh, in, in Jalandar, which is now in East Punjab, which is unfortunately, except for the, the you know, uh, one district of Malayar Kotla, uh, has been completely desolated of its Muslim population. Wal'iyalu uh, billah. Uh, um, so Mulana Khair Muhammad Jalandri had his originally his khanqa and madrasa and all that stuff was in Jalandar and now it's moved to Multan. The famous madrasa Multan Khairul Madaris is named after after him. Mulana Qari Khair Muhammad Jalandri rahimahullah ta'ala that he was teaching and he was talking about this topic of Birul Walidain. He's talk, talking about this topic of Birul Walidain, uh, of, of, uh, of piety toward one's uh, one's parents. And he said that there was a, a, uh, a student, uh, his name was Ismail, 
And so Ismail, uh, he started to argue with the Sheikh and he says, why should I show, why should I show, uh, um, why should I show uh, respect to my parents? They did something for their own enjoyment and I was born. What do I owe to them? And, uh, you know, the Sheikh tried to explain to him and he's like, no. And he kept insisting on this point. They did something to enjoy themselves. And like, I was the product, like, what, why do, what do I owe them for that? And she said that uh, he said that the uh, sheikh he said that uh, uh, this Ismail will not die until he's a kafir. Any man who can speak about his own mother like that, um, there's you know he won't he won't die except for after having left Islam. And uh, you know, uh, you know, fear the fear the the firas of the ken of the believer. Because when he sees, he sees with the light of Allah Ta'ala, you know. And so someone might say, well, like, how can you say that you don't know the ghayb, blah, blah, blah. Okay, he didn't know the ghayb. He just made a, he just made a prediction and see what happens with the prediction. Right? You don't have to, you know, when someone makes these things, you can take it or leave it, you know. Um, but funny, sometimes what happens when people, uh, you know, when people live long enough, they see strange things. And so uh, the partition occurs and India and Pakistan separate and this Ismail comes to Pakistan. And uh, Sunnism isn't fun for him anymore, so he will abandon Sunnism and become Ithna Ashari Shia, uh, 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 and uh, he'll gather a large following. And uh, um, uh, what happens is that he will become a Ghali, he will become a type of Shia, then later on that is, uh, uh, that is uh, excessive even for normal Ithna Ashari Shia standards. And, uh, uh, you know, the sheikh says that he became a kafir, right? He says, yes, he became a kafir. He goes, this is not what the sheikh was talking about. He said, what was he talking about? He said that, uh, he said that, uh, he said once, um, I met one of the ulama of the Ithnashari Shias, because Alama Khalid actually had uh, relations with them. He would like talk to them. He would read their books. I mean, if you read his writings in Urdu, he reads like the books of everybody. And uh, um, he actually went to Iran and purchased a bunch of uh, books from, from there uh, uh, and things like that. A very well-read uh, erudite scholar. Um, and so he said that once I met one of the Shia scholars who uh, said to me, oh, you know Mulvi Ismail? He says, yes. He said he died, but he died a kafir. <laughs> he says, what? <laughs> he says he died a kafir. He says, what happened? He said that he uh, he uh, he got into some sort of vehicle crash, and he died. But uh, um, he said that before he passed away, he gathered his 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 uh, his clique, his crew, and he said he said that uh, uh, he said that before I used to be one of the people who believed in the twelve imams, but now uh, I, I have to like uh, uh, I have to say to you that uh, I receive myself directly the, uh, uh, you know, whatever, the ilham from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I myself am masum, and I myself am this, that, and the other thing. And uh, so he, uh, uh, he said that to his, to his uh, disciples and followers and associates that whoever is with me in this day, stay, and then whoever doesn't agree with me, they should just leave right now, uh, which is kufr, obviously. Uh, for him to claim infallibility and all this other nonsense, and claim that he receives uh, he receives orders uh, directly from the the, the higher realm, uh, and so. Um, but the strange thing is that he he died a kafir, not in a way that like a you know a sectarian Sunni would say that oh look he became a Shia, no, in a way that even his own uh, his own uh, 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 sectarian heresy that he adopted, even those people all would point a finger at him that this person died in kufr. And what was the firasa of Maulana Khair Muhammad Jalandri from before? Was that any man who could speak about his own mother in such vulgar terms, uh, and, and his own mother and father in such vulgar terms and with such disrespect, how is that person ever going to uh, have any respect for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So we have to, we, you know, we have to be careful about it. You know, it's not something that we have to, we have to, uh, uh, um, you know, we don't worship them, but we have to make riaya and just be careful about what place our parents hold in our hearts, because uh, once that's gone, there's very little barrier between us and uh, not uh, revering the the maqam that Allah subhanahu wa taala is supposed to have in our hearts. Wallahu a'lam. Allah taala knows best.
ولا يطيعهما في معصية and uh, you know despite all of this honor he gives to them if they tell him to do something haram he's not allowed to he's not allowed to obey them uh, and it's just as a, Allah transcendent is he above blemish and most high has said uh, that the believer it is his responsibility to seek forgiveness for his uh, uh, for his parents it's, it's his responsibility to seek forgiveness for his parents and you know while you're alive while they're alive um, that's for everybody you can, if someone's parents are not on iman one must constantly uh, be asking allah ta'ala for their guidance and one must constantly ask allah ta'ala for their well-being and their welfare and that allah uh, keep them in a good state uh, uh, if they're in iman then when when one's person one's parents die even if they did great bad to them great harm to them uh, even then a person should keep asking allah ta'ala for to forgive them and a person should strive their best to themselves forgive them and a person should give sadaqah in their name and a person should make dua for them whenever they remember uh, when they go on hajj when they go on umrah and ramadan and all the times when the duas are accepted and uh, this is a great vehicle for barakah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whether or not those parents deserve it or not uh, you will see that there's a benefit in one's relation with Allah ta'ala and an increase in uns between the slave and between the Lord uh, by showing uh, piety and dutifulness toward what does piety what does bir mean bir means piety meaning what in particular showing dutifulness that this is a commandment that you're given and so you are not going to abandon your post you are not going to abandon your duty even if everybody else does um and so uh, uh, that's that if a person's parents die on kufr that they die with iyadu billah allah ta'ala protect us uh, all and give all of our parents and all of us and all of our children and our families and our loved ones and uh, you know, all those who did good by us and our friends and neighbors everybody allah give them the tawfiq of saying la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam before they die and may allah ta'ala accept it from from all of us um, but if they should it's the decree of the lord that they should die without iman and that they should die outside of the outside of the legal ruling of Islam and Allah knows best what's inside of the hearts um, then in that case um, at the moment of death the tie between the the parent and child is cut uh, the child is no longer obliged to go to the funeral to go to the wake to go to the burial to really do anything uh, with the with that parent anymore uh, the obligation, all of it ends. And so there's a bunch of fiqh that has to do with inheritance and with all of these other things. But this uh, tie of birul walidain will, will, be, will, will come to its natural end at that time for the person whose uh, parent uh, uh, dies on kufr. Wal-iyalu billah, Allah ta'ala protect all of us. Uh, obviously, there are many people who this will bring up a, a number of feelings and fears and hopes and whatever with regards to uh, what will Allah do with my parent. And, you know, it's not your job to give a fatwa uh, or to judge the day of judgment judgment on a person who's going to Jannah and who's not. Just chill about all of that, inshallah. Everyone will go where they deserve to go, um, uh, except for the people of Jannah. Um, everybody, Allah Ta'ala will show rahmah to everybody in, in, in a way that's commensurate, uh, in, in a way that's due to that person. Uh, there is a recording, if you go to soundcloud.com forward slash hmaqbul, there's a recording uh, that I made from Medina Munawara based on this topic, based on some of the things that we heard from the Mashaykh over there. Inshallah, if somebody has uh, some feelings of anxiety about this issue, let them listen to that recording, Inshallah. Uh, I will not uh, repeat uh, what was said over there here uh, because of lack of time and lack of necessity. Uh, so you can, you can. Uh, I think it's like one of the five, like there's like you can spotlight or highlight um, uh, five, uh, uh, up to five uh, I guess recordings so it's one of those it's easy to find you can go listen to it inshallah and if you have questions afterward you're welcome to reach out to me uh, or to any of the ulama and mashaykh allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, send his peace and blessings on his nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina muhammad wa rahm sayyidina muhammad wa ala sayyidina muhammad wa barak ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina muhammad kama sallaita wa rahimta barakta ala sayyidina ibrahim wa ala ali sayyidina ibrahim fil alamin innaka hamidum majid Allahumma rabbana atana fi dunya hasanatan wa fil akhirati hasanatan wa qina adhaban nar rabbana la tuzigh qulubana ba'da idh hadaytana hab lana min ladunka rahmatan innaka antal wahhab rabbana la tu'akhidhna in nasina aw akhtana rabbana wa la tahmil alayna isran kama hamaltahu ala alladhina min qablina rabbana wa la tuhammilna ma la taqata lana bihi wa'fu anna wa ghfir lana wa arhamna anta maulana fansurna ala alqawmil kafirin 
Allah, have mercy on our parents. Ya Allah, open the hearts of our parents to every good and close them to every uh, every evil. Those of them who are not uh, in Iman, bring them into Iman. Those of them who are in Iman, Ya Allah, keep them and vouchsafe for them this Iman until their passing breath and give them good in this world and in the hereafter. Ya Allah, give us the tawfiq to serve our parents in the best way possible. Give us tawfiq, Ya Allah Ta'ala, that we should imbibe only the halal, we should listen to the halal, see the halal, eat the halal, drink the halal, earn the halal, touch the halal, smell the halal, Ya Allah, that we should speak only the halal and we should, uh, Ya Allah, only touch uh, uh, in any way, shape or form the halal and let it flow into our hearts and make a clean heart for us so that our spiritual exercises, even a small amount, will be sufficient for us. Allahumma kfina bi halalika an haramika wa aghnina bi fadlika man siwak Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqa wa arzuqna attiba'ahu wa arina al-baatila baatila wa arzuqna ajtinaabahu Allahumma rabbil fir wa rahamu anta khair rahimin Ya Allah, speed and hasten the day that our masjids open again and that we can step in with our right feet and say, Oh Allah, open for us the, the doors of your mercy. Ya Allah, speed for us the days that the Jumu'ah and the Jama'at should gather together again, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, give us barakah in Ramadan, whatever it's your decree that however our Ramadan should be passed, Ya Allah, give us barakah in it and give us barakah and, and nur and ruhaniyah and fath, Ya Allah, and madad and ta'eed. Ya Allah, and Nasr from from in Indik, Ya Rabbana, in this month of Ramadan, and give us the uh, the, the honor of passing with La Ilaha Illallah uh, in our hearts and on our tongues. Wa salli wa sallam baraka ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Ya Allah, I received so many, so many requests uh, of brothers and sisters every day. More and more of them are sick with this disease and are passing with this disease and their family members are sick with this disease and passing from it as well as all of the other troubles that people have in the dunya ya allah ya allah ya allah heal the sick quickly ya allah those who have worries and woes ya allah calm and soothe their hearts ya allah whoever has any any difficulty or any danger that's imperiling their deen or their dunya or their akhirah ya allah remove it from them uh, and, and, and Ya Allah, remove them from us as well. Wa salli wa sallim wa baraka ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanu rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-musallin wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allah wa taqabbal minna barakatul fatiha. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.